Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Steve Rosenblum. We suck so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any... Problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. sound like he's ready and welcoming and hugging Saturday suckage like never before. He woke up Friday, and the way you read it, he sounds like a guy who's a Bears fan, and he just realized the offense sucks, and he's late catching up with the class, and you better make plays, and you better do this, and that's what it read like, and here's what it sounded like. Matt, I'm a little surprised. This is the most angry I think you've sounded about your offense. There have been some rough games. Why? What was the tipping point for you last night? And what specifically, when you talk about details and sloppiness, do you need to see turn around? Well, it's just it's uh, it's everything, you know, right now. I think that uh, when you try to make 
plays go and when you coach plays schematically us as coaches and and them as players you need to do everything exactly the way that is supposed to be done and so if that means run a route at five steps and not three steps or if that means run a route at three steps and not seven steps that has to happen um, if it means to to set a certain way and block somebody uh, that's what that means if it means to throw on a certain time with your feet do that if it means to make the right play call at, at the right time then do that as coaches and meaning myself and so we're all in this thing together but i, I refuse to, to allow um this to happen and, and uh, us as coaches um we're, we're gonna we're gonna use the next couple of days here to uh to make sure that whatever we're doing that we're we're being the greatest teachers we can be and then on your end as players you better be the best students you can be and if you're not then we're, we're, we're going to have to figure something out. And so, um, you know, that's my challenge to the offense right now is uh, you get to this point right now there. It's not nothing's effort. There's zero effort. I love our guys and, and the effort that they have is phenomenal. None of it's effort. None of it's not caring, but darn it. When you, when you play in this offense, you better be freaking detailed. And, and uh, you know, we're not a detailed football team on offense right now. And we need to get that back. Got we will on. figure out who gets sent to the principal's <laughs> office. But first, Mark Grody, you heard that. I mean, the words sound, the words read more damning and more frustrated. It really sounds like a transcript of a Bears fan calling the score the day after a win like that. And we heard it and you heard it. What did you think when you first heard it? What did you think of, of Matt Nagy's, first of all, his approach and then his words? And we'll go from there. Darn it. This is Matt Nagy's finest hour since he told us in, in training camp in Bourbon A last year that they don't have any turds on their team because he dropped. <laughs> he, he dropped. We don't have turds we on had, this team. No turds. We're talking double, double freakins, double freakins within this. Because you heard one freaking there. There was more before that. We had a double darn it. Freakins. We had freaking. I mean, it was, there was like Ned Flanders words being used, but in a stronger tone. So this was, man, Stevie Sunshine, this has been coming for two years and one, five games. This has been coming from Matt Nagy. He has allowed for it. And basically what he's saying is stop taking liberties in my offense. The offense is the offense. Cut it out. It was I, I allowed for it for a while, like for, you know, four steps, fine. And then you made your cut. No, 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 no. I'm going to need you to do it correctly at this point. So I thought it was great. Honestly, it was the best press conference that Matt Nagy has ever held. And it's odd to say that because Matt Nagy is great to the media. He really is. He he answers all questions, maybe not to satisfaction, but he is engaging. He is a willing participant with reporters' questions. He has been known to occasionally allow press conferences to be extended, and I have always appreciated the fact that he's cordial. But it was good to it was good to see angry, pointed Matt Nagy. And was it premeditated, or had he just watched the tape? I'm not sure, because he came in hot. My guess is that it was premeditated, that you're four and one, and this is a great spot to have a a semi-engineered um, meltdown in front of the media because it gets to his players. So, and when you're four and one, you could do that without making it look like you've lost the team in any way, shape, or form. So, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Well, when he says. 
I think it was organic, even if it, whether it was two years brewing or 24 hours brewing or 12 hours whenever he met you guys after the after meeting you guys after the, the win. But I think it was organic in that he's mad that he goes to the trouble of all these details. He's very specific. He wants this. He wants that. And then they don't listen. And it's like Donald Sutherland in Animal House trying to order people to do papers. Hey. Gotta be nice. Hostility. Diddly, diddly, diddly. Whoa, that was hardcore, Ned yeah. Flanders. So even Ned Flanders had a moment. Right. Oh, right. man, that's a whole thing. He snaps. That hits, that's the whole rest of the episode. He finally snaps, and he goes to a mental asylum. Wow, I don't know if I if I saw that episode. I'm more into the Oakley Doakley neighbor. And you well, know, it's, but, it's uh, the one where his hurt where his house gets destroyed by a hurricane and no one else's does, and he finally snaps and all his repressed rage through the years <laughs> <laughs> pops up and it turns out that he'd been to a psychiatrist when he was a kid and he started oh. repressing all these rage and, and and his rage came out through all these like nonsensical words like oh diddly diddly like <laughs> Well, and so he learns wonderful. that he has to start expressing his rage in a healthier way. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so it, he could be coach of the Bears, and nobody would listen to him there. So I don't know if it's two years or 12 hours, but it's certainly, I think it's organic. But my question would be, where he says that we need to get that back, when did they have it? You've watched Matt Nagy's career, his Bears arc. When did they have it? Oh, of course. It was against Tampa Bay. Two years ago. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to one game. Six touchdown that's game and, and, and various games against the Detroit Lions. So I, I, that's the do answer to your question. Okay. Last they year do. against the Cowboys. Last year against the Cowboys, yes. Okay. All right. There's so we've got like quitters. five games. I've got like five games to point to where they need to. Maybe there was a point in time, honestly, to answer the question, where the players were paying a, were paying attention to detail and it still wasn't working. So maybe that's what he's saying. We have to get back to, to you guys actually listening to me and running the proper routes and RPOs and whatever the case may be. But I thought that was healthy, man. That was healthy for everybody to get that out there. The first thing I first player I thought of was Anthony Miller. He's the first guy I thought who would get sent to the principal's office. He can't be the only one, though. This is he, he's not he's not important enough. He's not the one guy who could turn this make this coach stand on his head and get mad and scream and and do whatever he's doing about the details. So let's assume the freelancing and Miller is one of them. Who else? Who if you have any idea, if you've been told, if you if you suspect who else is less detailed than the interim Bears coach would like him to be? Well, I suspect he actually, believe it or not, that to some degree he was talking about the quarterback, uh, Nick Foles, in you know, that, that look, Foles has had a bad game the first time around, had a bad first half, so who knows what's really going on inside of all of that. So um, I got a feeling that maybe it's directed at Nick Foles. I'll go farther and say that the only person that it's probably not is Allen Robinson. Seems like he gets the, the pass in every way, shape, or form since he signed with the Chicago Bears. But yeah, I mean, of course, Anthony Miller was the first name that popped out. Like I said, I'd go Foles. Um, I'm trying to think of who else might be. I don't know, maybe David Montgomery. Maybe David Montgomery. He, he, he missed a blocking assignment at one point in time Ooh. during the game. So it could be him. I mean, it had, it, obviously, it's multiple players because he, something made him snap. Because if it was just 
Anthony Miller. They have obviously dealt with that in the past by calling Anthony Miller out and not being afraid to answer questions when reporters ask, oh, who screwed that up? Oh, that was Anthony Miller. But in this case, <laughs> in this case, clearly yeah. it's multiple guys not doing the right things. And they did, and I never know if this is genuine, but he did point the thumb and saying, hey, we, we need to call plays better. But coaches always say that just to kind of, to soften it up a little bit and, and, you know, take responsibility and that whole thing. And I think that Matt Nagy does. I mean, they had that moment, um, Foles and Matt Nagy in the, in the fourth quarter where Foles wants to move things faster. And Matt Nagy basically saying, we don't have those play calls in the red zone for you to be basically running a hurry up there. So, you know, calm down, kid. We got to, we'll, we'll work on that in practice for now. You got to go with what we worked on in practice. I had that written down at the top of my, I typed it up on and, and printed it out at the top of my notes page here about what did you hear, what did you think, what did you make of Foles going, let's go, hurry, 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 about and, and Matt Nagy not wanting to, and why. So let's do this. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw the interaction. In that case, I couldn't hear the interaction from my vantage point. But having heard Matt Nagy speak yesterday, yeah, it's ex- it was exactly about that. To me, it's surprising because Matt Nagy talks so much about the mechanics of going from the huddle to the line of scrimmage, getting the play call, getting the playoff, and moving on to the next. And so I found it ironic that it was Nick Foles who was the one that was, come on, come on, come on, we've got to get this going. I was a little bit surprised that Matt Nagy said what he said, that they don't have in that situation, look, we've got certain plays for our red zone offense that we worked on, and there was not room necessarily for improv in those spots. And that sounds like that's what Nick Foles wanted to take on. I think that that's something that they need to, in the next 10 days, make sure that they have fixed. And I guess it was a good thing because now now that communication was made, Nick Foles felt empowered to speak his mind, and now they go back and fix it because one thing that Matt Nagy has shown is that he's willing to work with his players on what they want and what they want to run, and he said that he appreciated where Nick Foles was coming from. You know, that sounds like coach crap to me, but if you go back to the words of Jimmy Graham a week week earlier when Nick Foles came in and rescued the win, and or I guess a week and a half earlier and rescued the win, and, and... and Jimmy Graham said something to the effect that we have that play. And it was something that it sounded like Nick Foles was drawing stuff up. And it was all part of the comeback. He was drawing stuff up because yeah. he was reading the defense because he was empowered to do that. And Matt Nagy, by refusing to let Foles do that again, sounds like a guy who's worried about his turf, who's worried about his authority instead of worried about just winning games the way Matt Nagy says that's the only thing he's worried about. That's why Nick Foles is here. Well, that's one of the reasons Nick Foles is here. He can make something out of whatever the situation is, and his coach was restraining him. I don't get the advantage there. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree. You're right, because he did what he did the week before, and it was over-the-shoulder catches, and you're right. It was Javon Wims that week. was like, wow, <laughs> I have never seen that Wims. stuff. The, Two magic this is words. college stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we're talking about an area, too, in which the Bears have struggled. The red zone, putting the ball into the end zone and scoring six as opposed to scoring three, and Matt Nagy's on record as hating field goals. So 
why not try something different? Why not allow your quarterback, Nick Foles, to improvise a little bit? Or, as he did on a couple of occasions, change the play at the line of scrimmage. And those are different scenarios, obviously, that are Mm -hmm. allowed within the RPOs. The David Montgomery play was brilliant. The Cordero Patterson wheel route was brilliant. So more of that. So, yeah, I I agree with you on that completely. All right. Well, we'll get a uh, more... We'll get another opinion on this. We will take a break when we come back. Jim Schwantz of the WBBM 780 AM 105.9 FM pregame, postgame, in-game, halftime show will be joining us. One of our favorite guests. We'll talk to him about this. What do you What do you do when you're four and one and you stink? And we'll talk to him about that scenario. <laughs> and at noon, we'll talk with Jay Zawoski. We will talk to him about the exit of Corey Crawford. Describe Crawford said he was devastated. It was really emotional. And we'll talk to him about that. And we'll continue to talk football. And because Jay's going to be here and will be produced by Rick Camp, they are, they are the I'm Fat podcast. When mm. we get around to what are you doing, Wagner Mark, I have the Venn diagram. of, uh, and, and we'll all be here. Rick will be here and you. And we'll have the Venn diagram of podcasts, Movie lists and food, oh. and good food and good. And food. I have, by the way, for that segment, we have an angry Toby email and some oh. of that dire- anger directed at, I believe the the one who is running the show right now. So I think I think I got to right. go back and check. But it's at he's he's angry with the producer again. So here we go. Well, tell Toby to calm down. All right, trash. Tra- Oh, Trash Panda is just, all right. All right, Ooh. Trash Panda is treating our one caller like you said, Karen. Okay, great. <laughs> all right, everybody mask up. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Jim Schwantz. This is Saturday 2nd, so of course we're going to talk about the Bears offense. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Bears are going to be 4-1. and one. They take a knee for the final time. Bears victorious. They turn away Tom Brady. And the Buccaneers, 20 to 19, defense again, doing enough. The final call of the Bears' victory over the Buccaneers on Thursday night, 2019. Bears, my friend Jeff Joniak, on the call. The call heard on 780 AM, WBBM AM and FM, 780 AM, 105.9 FM. One of the men on the pregame, postgame, halftime shows joining us now on Saturday Suckage. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And before we get to our guest, Jim Schwantz, this tweet was posted by Adam Schefter, and it is worth monitoring, if not panicking over, for the moment. The Bears have a practice squad player with a positive COVID-19 test. That was it. There are no new positives in Tennessee or New England. Games should be going on. A practice squad player in Chicago has tested positive. So we will keep, we'll monitor that as we go along. And now we will talk about the team that is four and one and an offense that sucks, Jim Schwantz. I guess it's a good spot to be in, but it's kind of a scary spot to be in when you're four and one and your offense sucks. Welcome to the show. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you know, Rosie. We've been saying this now over the last uh, all four victories. 
you know, you're able to win games, but be a flawed football team. And, and it's easier to watch a tape and correct things, or it's more enjoyable. I shouldn't say easier. It's more enjoyable that when you, when you win a game and you're still able to say, we're not that good, or we're, we're missing this, or we got to get better at that. And you can go back to the laboratory instead of being one and four, you're four and one, you know, you got flaws, you know, they got to get fixed. And but you still got four wins in a, in a four in a victory column that you can uh, that you can go ahead and uh, and count on you know count on for the first quarter and now starting the second quarter of the season which is huge. So Jim, what are you seeing out there? What what has gone wrong? Let's just say since Nick Foles took over and the, with the exception being the comeback win, the last two games, why hasn't it looked as smoothly as we all thought it might under Nick Foles? Well, Mark, the first two, re- the first, the biggest reason is you can't get the running game going. I think that's that's the biggest reason. This team is not good enough to be one-dimensional. This team is not Patrick Mahomes standing back with Tyreek Hill and, and Hardman and, and 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 Watkins to throw the football all over the place and Travis Kelsey to run the middle of the field. They don't have that, so they have to be able to be somewhat somewhat deceptive with regards to their play calling. And right now, they are one-dimensional. This is simple as that, you know. And the, the offense isn't good. There's no doubt about it, but. I want to tip my cap to something they saw in the game against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay loved the blitz. We know Todd Bowles is going to come in. He's going to blitz, blitz, blitz. So the Bears run that little pick route out of the backfield. It was the two biggest plays in the football game. One throw to, to uh, Montgomery. The other one, of course, to CP out of the backfield. Those were two humongous plays, and those are plays that the Bears' offensive coordinator and head coach saw, and they dialed them up at the right time. So, I'm all for criticizing. There's no doubt about it. The numbers do not lie. You know, you can go look at the numbers. The eye test is, is what it is. It's not a good football team as far as offensively right now. But in the games where they need to get it done, they're getting it done. And you, we're going to have to, as Bear fans, kind of absorb a little bit of this here. Matt Nagy spent two years getting that quarterback coach, quarterback offensive play caller uh, relationship tied in with Mitch Trubisky. Now he's got Nick Foles. It's going to take some time. He saw the disagreement on the sideline about, you know, Nick Foles wanted to go with tempo and Matt Nagy wanted to, to line up and, and uh, or I should say huddle up and get the right play call in. There's a, there's, there's a little bit of disconnect there. That's going to get worked out over time. But for right now, you've got Matt, Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a very streaky quarterback. You saw the first couple throws he made. The, the, the post corner that he missed Mooney on is absolutely an atrocious throw. He looks like he's, he anticipated getting hit. He kind of leaned back a little bit, didn't step into the throw. The throw was off by whatever it was, 12 yards. The first throw of the game was a bad throw. Then he gets hot, seven in a row, leads the team down. They get two touchdowns in the span of under two minutes, and now now the Bears are back in control. So that's I think what we're going to have to try to and you know we're going to try to absorb a little bit of that and live with it until until things get righted. Talking with Jim Schwantz here on the Score, one of our favorite guests. He joins us on the Alpamani Ford Hotline, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Jim, the idea of the, Mark and I were discussing that, that disagreement about going with tempo, hurry it up, and Matt Nagy didn't want to, and I thought one of the reasons you brought in Nick Foles is because being on the field, having a sense of the game, knowing what the defense felt, looked like, saw, what he could take advantage of is something that Matt Nagy can't see, can't feel, can't have the instinct to call because he's not on the field. And I don't know if Negi was territorial, worried about his turf, a little threatened, insecure, or just a guy who wanted to make sure we have to get a touchdown out of this and I don't trust anybody but me to do it. Did you read that in any of those ways? 
Rosie, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this with, uh, with going back a game, run to the L. Right, that was what Nick Foles told, told uh, you know, told uh, the, uh, the receiver to, to do to get the touchdown at the end of the game to win the football game, and that was something that was a ad lib on the field. There's where you trust your quarterback. He told, told, run to the L, run to the L, and, and and they score the touchdown and they win. So, in that sense, you got Coach Nagy after the game saying, "Hey, we give him all the freedom in the world to go out and do what he has to do. He won the football game," and then here. It's 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 the other way around. So I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that. I think it's a little bit of a lot of things. Um, I think it's Coach Nagy. He's the head coach. He's the play caller. He's got the keys to the to the vehicle. He's he's kind of running it. It's his it's his deal, and he feels like he knows best. But there's got to be a trust there. There has to be a trust that your quarterback is going to make the proper call at the time. He sees something. There's there's nothing like on the field um, feedback. You know, people talk about halftime adjustments. In the NFL, it's not halftime. It's literally play to play. I'll, I'll, I'll take you back to the third quarter. The Bears are, are on the side of the fourth quarter. The Bears go out. They throw a, a hitch route to Mooney. The, court, the corner for Tampa jumps it, almost picks it off, knocks the ball away. Immediately, they go to a double move. This is the chess game. The double move. Now the Bucks are ready for it, and they sit on it, and it ends up being a sack. So you, you see both teams are making adjustments literally play to play. And so when something like that's going in flow in the game, you've got to trust your quarterback, especially a guy you brought in, you traded for, you picked up the dollars, the money for, you've invested in, he is the guy, you've already named him the starter. I, I, got, I think you've got to trust him in that spot. I, I would go with the quarterback. Jim, I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball, and it's almost been it's, – it's been given attention, but maybe not enough because of all the, the flaws on offense, and I totally get it. But how important was it that it appeared that Khalil Mack returned to 2018 form having two sacks and maybe should have even had three sacks? Yeah, I think Mark the, the the blood got in the water early. You know, I know they they, they left that uh, the, the the rookie right tackle on him one on one, and then the left tackle a couple of times, and uh, there didn't seem to be a ton of help being given. They wanted to get more guys into the route, and I think when a veteran guy like Khalil Mack, who's a game wrecker, sees that, I think all of a sudden you get a little more pep in your step. You know, and he, obviously the numbers that he has on prime time are out of this world. I wish the Bears could play every game in prime time because of what he does and the, the production that he brings. But, you know, I think it's, it's a huge step in the right direction. You know, we talked in the pregame show a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, Jay Hilgenberg was quick to say, I need to see sacks. I need to see quarterbacks on their backs with, with yes. somebody laying on top of them. I need to see those. And, you know, and, and the discussion revolved around, well, they're getting, they're getting hurried. They're getting hurried. That was a discussion we had six, seven, eight years ago when we were talking about, oh, but the Bears weren't getting there, but they're getting hurried. They're getting a lot. They lead the league in hurries. <laughs> they lead the league in quarterback hits. No, no, you've got to get Yuck. the quarterback on the ground. Al Davis, right? You get, quarterback's got to go down. He's got to go down hard. That's what happened. Uh-huh. That's how you win on defense. We're talking with Jim Schwantz here on The Score. He's part of the WBBM 780 AM, 105.9 FM pregame, postgame, halftime show with Jay Hilgenberg and the unfortunate Ron Gleason. Let me ask you something about the the it, it, a play that occurred in the second quarter. The the Bucks are fourth and one at their own 19, and Bruce Arians goes for it. I don't know if it's a bigger insult to Matt Nagy's offense or Matt Nagy's defense when he says, yeah, we're in our own zone. You guys kick a field goal, even with your kickers. We don't care. We're going to go get it, and no, neither side of the ball scares us. That's the way it could be interpreted, 
What goes on in a player's mind when you see a coach do that, that close to the end zone, his own end zone? Well, I'll take you to both sides of the of the of the of the field. If you're on the the Bucks side, it's ultimate confidence that you've got a guy in in in, in Tom Brady who's probably the best of all time at the quarterback sneak. So, you know, they think that they, there's no problem whatsoever. We can get whatever it is, a, a foot to get uh, the first down. There's ultimate confidence. And then, of course, you're saying, should we not get it? We have ultimate confidence in what is our, truly our best asset, which is our defense. And Todd Bowles is the defensive coordinator. We'll get the ball. The worst thing they'll do is get three points. We'll go back to work. Our offense can get some more points. If you're on the bare side of the ball, it's immediate disrespect. You're immediately going there disrespecting us on defense because we're the ones out here now and they think we can't stop them. And then the offensive side saying the same thing. They're, they're saying they're not afraid that if they do turn the football over, we're not going to turn this into, into, into seven points. So I think it's, it's on both sides as far as you know, the way it kind of goes down. If you're Bruce Arians, again, you're just ultimate confidence in what you think you can accomplish at that, at that moment. And, of course, if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're Matt Nagy, you're immediately, or you're Chuck Pagano, you're immediately turning around to your sideline and saying, this is what they think of us. This is what they think of us right now. They think that we cannot compete with them, and you try to use that as motivation. All right, Jim, I, and I realize that when I ask this question, I'm moving into the territory of, of hypercritical, but I, I, have a, I have a really high expectation for the Bears' defense. I, don't lo- I hate bend but don't break. I don't like bend but don't break. Um, I, <laughs> I, I just don't. I just don't. And, and that's because, and maybe I need to recalibrate my expectations because I still hold them up to the elite 2018. And when I and they and they have come through huge. They don't. They're not four and one without that Bears defense. I get it. But when they give up over 100 yards rushing and they are bending, is this what I should expect out of the Bears defense at this point? Do I need to recalibrate and just get get my mind off of the concept of elite 2018 Bears defense? So there's a couple things at play here, Mark. One, you know, there's some new players, right? Uh, you know, Robert Quinn has not gotten to that elite level yet that we have expected. His first snap of, as a Barry gets the, the sack, the forced fumble. We really haven't heard his name and I think Marquevious Mingo is actually playing better than Robert Quinn right now. Missing, uh, missing Eddie Goldman in the middle, you know, Bilal Nichols and, and, and company, Roar Rob, um, and, and Akeem, they haven't really stepped up in that run-stuffer position right there specifically to that. We talked Danny Trevathan's not playing at a very good level. He led the team in tackles this, this last week, but um, he's not playing at that level we expect Danny Trevathan to play at. And then the back end, you've got two, you know, half of your back end, is new. You got a rookie, and then you got a, a, a new safety. So a lot of this is going to take a little bit of time. And 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 with regards to getting to that elite level, first things first, Mark. They got to tackle better. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you yeah. dial up. I don't care what you are able to scheme. If you don't tackle, you don't win. And you've got. So let's talk about the the you know the elite level and the the, the, the splash plays, right? So Pagano dials up a run blitz. You got uh, you got Roquan comes clean. He gets the backfield. It's a two-yard loss. It's a big play. You put him behind the chains. He misses a tackle. Uh, Ronald Jones spins out of it, and he gets a seven- or eight-yard gain. But that's not anybody. That, that's one player didn't make a tackle. The long run that, Ro, that uh, Ronald Jones gets, he, he, makes, he makes Danny Trevathan miss, and he makes uh, Eddie Jackson look really bad in the open field. That's a, that's a good play. It's a 10, 11-yard run. And instead, it's a 37-yard gallop that puts the numbers into the, into the fa- favor of Tampa Bay and gives them a 100-yard rusher. You know, this goes back 
to maybe the Wanstead years when they when they used to say, if you just take away one play, we were really good. <laughs> we were really good. But you yeah. can't do that. So right. so all of this is an accumulation of that. And, and Mark, I want to go back one 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 quick thing. You know, I'm sure you guys have talked about the 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 the, the mistake by Matt Nagy not running the football at the end there, giving the ball back to the elite quarterback with a minute 17 on the clock. I want to put a positive spin on that. Our defense went out and closed the game. So whether or not it was he didn't know how many downs it was, whether whatever the fact was, the defense they should have been out there with you know maybe he has 25 seconds left and not a minute and 17 or whatever it was. But you got your defense, which I've called the closer. That's your Mariano Rivera. You want your defense out there closing games out. Not the offense, at least not this offense, with a chance to cruise down and score and win the game. But you want your defense out there closing games out, and the Bears' defense got it done. So maybe that's a little bit of a step in the right direction to that elite level you're asking about. Jim, I wasn't mad about that call. I thought it, it fit with Matt Nagy saying he wanted to be aggressive. And, and he was. I mean, maybe you find a better play, a safer pass. You want to you get it completed. You want to keep the clock going. But he also, he had the best player on the field that night. Khalil Mack was the best player. If he left it up to Khalil Mack, then I thought, I, I agreed with that. If that's the way it was going to go. And like you said, if he closes out the game, they complete that thing, and they, they do anything other than what they did, then he's just going to sit on the ball, and that's it. Tom Brady never gets back on the field. I don't disagree with that kind of aggressiveness when your defense, ha- when your defense has the best player on the field that night, whoever it is, and it was Khalil Mack in that case. Yeah, and, and I and I can I can I can somewhat sympathize with that, but he, he threw the ball twice in a row. It's not like he you know he, he threw it uh, just on third down to try to get it through on second down, and the clock didn't run. He threw it on third down, and the clock didn't run. And I, and I get it, the best player on your team is, of course, Khalil Mack, but the, the greatest quarterback of all time is on the other side. And I, and I know Matt Nagy doesn't think about that. He thinks about, like you said, he's an aggressive play caller. He wants to go out. He wants to end the game on offense. And, and the Bears need to do a better job of that. They need to do a better job of executing and getting into games. where And they haven't had the chance. You know, They call it the four-minute offense where you got the ball, you got four or five minutes left on the clock, and you run ball control offense and run the clock out, and, the, and, and you never put your defense back out there again. But, um, you know, again, my positive spin on that is, is, is that the defense was, did, did go out there, whatever the reason why, however the reason the circumstances were, and they closed the game out, which is the most important thing by far. You, you mentioned, Jim, that one of the best plays of the game, the, the Cordero Patterson wheel route play in the second quarter. I mean, it was terrific. I love when Cordero Patterson has space and a full head of steam because, as Cairo Santos put it, the guy, the guy is ruthless. Um, maybe the best, the most well we have seen Cordero Patterson used on Matt Nagy's watch while he, is, he has been here, but specifically his – his kick returns, and you are a specialist when it comes to the special teams. What do you think about him, man? Like, I mean, it's just, it's almost like something we don't talk about enough because he's like, he is like a freight train with speed. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's it's certainly when you look at exactly what he brings to the table, the fact that he takes the football out nine yards deep, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's just, that just shows you the utmost confidence that he has in himself. And, of course, what exactly that team has in him to be to, for Coach Tabor to say, hey, football doesn't matter. If you have to jump up to catch it so it doesn't go out of the back of the end zone, do it and, and bring the ball out. And you know what? We'll live with him getting to the 20 once or twice and, and right. not getting to the 25, that extra five yards 
But the fact that he's a game changer and one of the best to ever do it, you got him on your team. And what he brings, of course, to the uh, kickoff return, what he brings is a gutter. He had, you know, he had two tackles on, uh, on punt. And you look at what O'Donnell did, flipping the field position um, late in the game to give the Bears a chance to kick that shorter field goal. You know, part, part of that is because, of course, you got O'Donnell, who's really good at what he does. And then you've got guys like Coral Patterson, who's running down as your gunner, who's going to be a game changer there too as well. So it's, uh, it's a combination of a lot of things, what he brings to the table. And he is he's like a Swiss Army knife, and he's really good at everything he does. He's not one of those jack-of-all-trades, masters of none. He's a master of all right. of his trades. <laughs> yes, he is. Jim, we, were, we love having you. Thank you for making time for us today. It's great to hear your insight. And uh, we wish you good health. Be well. Anytime, and, um, anytime, a- pal. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. really do. Thanks, Jim. That's Thanks, Jim. Jimbo. Jim Schwantz, uh, Super Bowl winner with the Dallas Cowboys and the mayor of Palatine and a part of the WBBM 780 AM, 780 AM, 105.9 FM pregame show, halftime show, postgame show. Mark Rohde's a part of every pregame show anybody has around this intercom business. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have a short time before we get to Jay Zawoski talking the departure of Corey Crawford, the devastating departure of Corey Crawford. But when we come back, we, um, we need to talk about the best player on the field the other night and uh, what you saw down there, Mark, what it felt like. And um, we'll discuss some numbers involved with Khalil Mack. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rohde. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Brady is taken down. Khalil Mack. After the longest run of the season against this Bears defense, Khalil Mack steps up and gets a sack. Yeah, against the rookie, Tristan Wirfs, and he's able to work around him and get to Brady. He's got him one-on-one. I mean, he's had his hands full here to start his career. It's body slam there, but he has faced some awfully good pass rushers. Now he's got Mack, Khalil Mack. Now he got posterized. <laughs> Khalil Mack takes a 325-pound guy and throws him down like he's just flipping a pillow over, like he's faking in the WWF, and the guy's helping him with it. That was Get off thing. me. That's the way it was. I was like, get, get right. the hell off me. Yeah, well, why did you do get, that, Khalil? Because he was on yeah. me. I <laughs> had to get yeah. him off me. It's like get Occam's Razor. <laughs> Steve Rosen and Mark Rohde with you. I want to ask you, you were there. You were. Can I, One of the reasons coaches watch film after the game is because they miss what's going on in the game. That sideline view doesn't offer certain advantages and a lot of disadvantages. Uh, Khalil Mack was the best player on my TV that, that game. I don't know what you saw, if you saw that, if it felt like or what it felt like, but... Could you have an appreciation for what he was doing and how he was affecting the game, given you're right down there in the front row, Bob Euchre? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was this was the way he looked in 2018, including his first game against the Green Bay Packers. And I no. was there. Um, so <laughs> it, it, was, it was vintage. I mean, like, finally, it's been a while. It's been a while since we, we'd seen that. And coincidentally, he came off the the injured list for the first time this year. And I don't know if that was just a a matter of them really not practicing this week, but for the first time the the knee thing vanished. The participation was full. He was no longer questionable. 
So, and then perfectly enough, he goes out there and looks like the Khalil Mack that the, the Bears had signed and had the 12 sacks in his first year with the Bears. So it was incredibly, I don't know, I don't want to over-dramatize it, but it was incredibly important to see that because that is a step towards the Bears getting back to eliteness if he is back to being Mack. Well, here's, here's something that underscores that and its effect on it is that uh, the NFL's, NFL has next-gen stats so they, they, they're doing their bit for analytics. And what they offered was the Bears' pass rush pressured Tom Brady on 43.2% of his dropbacks. That's Brady's highest pressure rate in a game since 2017. Khalil Mack was responsible for six pressures, two sacks on 34 pass rushes. So that's 17.6%. Robert Quinn who you saw there making a fumble recovery, five pressures on 28 pass rushes, 17.9%. So what you're saying is, yeah, this is underscored by these. Though It starts with them. If, that, if they aren't starting that pass rush, that pass rush is not going to happen. But they did, and it did, and they made Tom Brady forget how many downs there were. I don't Here's know if you can see thing. that, but it was on everybody's television. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> forgot it. it. Fourth down, that's... Uh, uh, oh. to, to me, that's Tom Brady be like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. The game can't be... This is my thing. This is what I do. When, when we're down one, <laughs> and then there's a minute 13 left, and well, I come back. Uh, I have no, references. No, 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 no. I can give you yeah. references. Here. Yeah, no, you, you can't. No, 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 you can't end the game. I'm 43 on Tom Brady. They're pl- we're playing this year because of no, 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 no. So the other part about Khalil Mack, though, is why it was important to see. And and Jim Schwantz outlined it well that hey, he smelled blood. You've got you've got a rookie on him. You've got single coverage, all that kind of stuff. However. We've seen that in the past with Mac, where he wasn't double teamed, where there was a rookie on him and he was not able to break through to the quarterback. And maybe that was because he his knee was banged up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So even if there was great advantages for Khalil Mack on this night, they had had that in previous games and he wasn't able to exploit it. So if he is again back to exploiting things like that, that's excellent for the Bears. And... Again, even if your offense stinks, you're still 4-1, and one, and that's a better spot to be in than if you're being coached by Matt Patricia. We're going to take a break. When we come <laughs> back, Jay Zawoski will be here, the uh, co-host of the and co-founder of the I'm Fat podcast, along with our next producer, Rick Camp. Um, it's lovely. We have the I'm Fat podcast uh, on both sides of the glass, metaphorically speaking, uh, after this. Jay's written a book on the, the the Big 50, and he's talking about the Hawks. I wonder if Corey Crawford's in that book. I read part of that book. I um, I would like to know if Corey Crawford's in there. Corey Crawford said he was devastated that he left. And the upside of this is maybe it'll get Jeremy Colleton fired, and we'll see what Jay thinks about that. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.